and welcome to Thingamajigs, the exciting history of mundane things. I'm going to make that a little longer every time. I am one of your hosts that is here. I'm Ben. And I'm Danielle. That's the other host that is here. The Probably the more important one. Only because I have notes. Make sure you rate this episode if you want to hear 30 minutes of me and only me sitting here rambling about things. But on a more serious note, it would be very helpful if you would rate us. We've only got two ratings on Spotify. I'd like to see ten. That'd be cool. Ten ratings? Do you think we can do it? No, I don't. I do. I have faith in our listeners. Also, if somebody wants to, like, pick up the show on Apple Podcasts, I'm pretty sure no one who has an iPhone listens to us. And if you like getting your episodes a week after we upload them, try uh, Google Podcasts. We've been spending our morning um, discussing nuclear war and fallout. As you do whenever you've got a nice, cozy morning to yourself. You should check out some of those 1950s videos of... Doomtown. Speaking of nuking things, my tea's kind of cold. You wanna you wanna nuke that for me in our very small nuker over there? So you're telling me that we can take a food or beverage and place it in that magic box and it will warm it? It sure will. What kind of witchcraft is that? It's called microwaves, and it's going to change the future. It's not witchcraft. There's nothing sinister or spooky. There is a perfectly good explanation for how this box works. Tell me all about it. I don't know anything. We're going to get to the microwave, but first, we're going to talk about Percy Spencer. Is that your boyfriend or something? He's my early 1900s crush. Heartthrob, is he? I actually don't know what he looks like. I don't know if he's cute. Is he cute? Alright, we have to take a Google break to find out how cute Percy Spencer is. We'll be right back. Did you know that all leading brands of orange juice are mostly water? Oranges are 86% water. Why pay for water when all you want is orange? Introducing Maxima Orange, the first orange juice that is 100% orange. We take organic oranges with loads of GMO, dehydrate the f- out of them until it's a solid block of orange and then stuff it in a bottle, peel and all. Maxima Orange. Don't settle for 14%. And we're back. Tell us what you found out. He's a pretty dapper man. Pretty fine when he was young. Looked a little scared when he got older. <laughs> so, here is the story of Percy Spencer. Born in 1894. When he was 18 months old, his father died... This will be the first of many deaths in his life. His mother was obviously unable to take care of him and his brother, John, so she sent them away. I'm not sure where the brother went, but I know that Percy went to live with his aunt. Then, when he was seven years old, his aunt's husband died, which was a second father to him, and I, if I had to guess, was probably the only father he really knew. This is the second death. Have we considered that this guy just had, like, a Oedipus complex and was murdering all of his carers' husbands? Well, considering he was 18 months old the first time and 7 years old the second time, I don't think so. I'm not going to put it past him. Just yet. Then, when he turned 12, he dropped out of school and started working at a local mill. 
His aunt needed help making ends meet, and since child labor laws wouldn't be passed until 1938, he was cleared for hard labor. Yay. He worked in that mill until he was 16, and he heard about a paper mill that was soon to be using electricity, and being that this was a new exciting thing, he definitely wanted in on that. He was hired on at the mill as an electrician despite not having any formal education. I mean, he dropped out, remember? He was excellent at teaching himself anything he wanted to learn, though. As a homeschooler, I connect with this so much, having to teach yourself things. It's really hard, but having a desire to learn things and and studying things that you're actually interested in does help. Can confirm. Then in 1912, at the age of 18, he joined the Navy because he was interested in wireless communication, especially after hearing about the communicators on board the Titanic when it sank. He believed that that tragedy could have been avoided with better communications. He then satiated himself with all of the textbooks, scientific magazines, and journals he could get his hands on. He taught himself trigonometry, calculus, chemistry, and physics, among other subjects. He would study at night while he was on watch. Not really sure how the military felt about that, but we needed a microwave, so let the man study. Then he was discharged from the Navy after two years because of a chronic ear disease. Relatively soon after leaving the Navy, he started a job with his brother at the Wireless Specialty Apparatus Company in Boston as a radio electrician. That's fun, they got to work together. He then settled down, got married, had three kids, and his wife died in 1956. This is the third death. My theory, of course, is that she didn't live up to standards set by his mother and aunt who he tried to marry. Uh, So he murdered him. Her. She murdered her. He murdered. (laughs) So he murdered her. Let's not defile his good name by accusing him of murder. I'm pretty sure he just had bad luck and deaths come in three, apparently. But don't worry. He remarried. As far as I know, she did not die early. However, his first wife's name was Louise and his second wife's name was Lillian. I can guarantee he got those L names mixed up at least once. Then he started working at Raytheon as chief of the power tube division. I know Raytheon. Raytheon had contracts with the U.S. Department of Defense, but this was around World War II and that war was ending soon. The company would need to find other ways of making money when the government contracts dried up or they would go out of business. So Percy suggested they look into creating heating apparatuses for food. And they probably thought that he was crazy, but then he recounted a story about how one day, while he was building magnetrons, he was standing in front of an active radar set when he noticed the candy bar in his pocket melted. He, of course, decided to investigate this and started testing other foods. He tried popcorn kernels... We all know how that went. Microwave popcorn is still a big hit today. He tried a raw egg in the shell and that one exploded. Don't put eggs still in the shell in the microwave. He then created a metal box and attached a high-density electromagnetic field generator to it. Raytheon filed a patent for their microwave cooking oven in 1945 and named it the Radar Range. It's kind of a cool name. Yeah, very catchy. I like it. People cooked on a range... They stuck a radar in a box. A radar range. Mm-hmm. I like it. Very intuitive. In 1947, the first commercially produced microwave oven was about six feet tall and 750 pounds, and it cost about $5,000, which in today's money is 68839 
dollars. So you could buy a GMC Denali pickup truck or a microwave to pull with it because you can't move it any other way. Yeah, they had to get it into their store somehow, huh? Six feet tall. That's as tall as you. It's basically a refrigerator, but it did the opposite thing. By 1967, the first relatively affordable and reasonably sized microwave was about $495, which in today's money is still six, over $6,000, but at least normal rich people could afford it. And when I say reasonably sized, we're talking like it could go on a countertop. I believe you could buy it in installments as well, which made it easier for middle class people to have one. So I guess, you know, you pay your house note and you pay your microwave note. I remember when plasma TVs first came out, it was kind of similar. They were very expensive and people would usually pay in installments. The affordable microwave hit the market at the perfect time, too, because families were getting busier. You know, homes were quickly becoming double income households. There was little time and energy for cooking. This opportunity did not go unnoticed by the frozen food manufacturers. Prefixed foods was already a thing before the 80s. Swanson frozen meals appeared in the 1950s, but TV dinners really took off after the microwave made them even faster and more convenient. They switched their metal trays to polyethylene terephthalate because, as we know, but haven't mentioned yet, you cannot put metal in a microwave. And thus, the pre-packaged microwavable food craze begins. One time I put a burrito in the microwave that had one of those, like, silver wrappers on it. Turns out that's metallic. I did the exact same thing, only with a block of cream cheese. You know how it's in that little metallic pouch? I was so used to softening my butter in the microwave, I was like, oh, I need this cream cheese to be soft for this recipe that I'm making. I'll just pop it in the microwave. And then electricity started. There was like a small lightning storm in my microwave. So how do these things actually work? How is the microwave heating your food? Microwaves are a form of low-energy electromagnetic radiation. They don't have enough energy to break chemical bonds, but they do have the ability to interact with molecules that have positive and negative charges. Water molecules get especially excited in the presence of microwaves. This is very important. The microwaves bounce off the walls of the oven and vibrate those molecules like crazy, and that is where the heat comes from. We see this kind of heat when we rub our hands together quickly and feel the friction warm our palms. But most people didn't know any of this when the microwave came out, and you know how people do. They were very concerned about how this magic box was cooking food so fast it must be evil. Not necessarily evil, but a lot of concerns were centered around whether the food gave you cancer. You might as well have a nuclear reactor in your kitchen, was a quote from some old people. If the microwave, or the science oven, as I heard it called in the movie American Hustle, uh, zapped the nutrition out of your food, or changed the chemistry of your food, making it unhealthy, using a metal box to nuke your food does seem dangerous, but these things are not true. It is kind of true that it takes nutrients out of the food, but that is true of any cooking taking place. The heat breaks down food, usually for the betterment of the food, like meat becomes more digestible after cooking. But it is true that raw vegetables are healthier than cooked vegetables. So there is that. The point is, the microwave is not a government plan to give people cancer. If I had to guess, those prefixed TV dinners are poisoning you all on their own. 
Sounds about right. But those banquet Swedish meatballs, ooh, it's good stuff. Percy Spencer received an honorary doctorate of science from the University of Massachusetts and a lot of other awards. He didn't receive any royalties from his invention, but it seems the company he worked for took good care of him, making him senior vice president and a senior member of the board of directors at Raytheon. Now, there are some other interesting things about this technology that I think is worth talking about. This is our first episode of October, and in honor of the spooktacular season ahead, I have a weird question for you. For me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you ever wondered what would happen if you froze a hamster and then reanimated it? It would probably come back with superpowers and I could get it to do my homework for me, I assume. Oh, absolutely. There's nothing smarter than a reanimated hamster. I knew it. Well, let me tell you about the National Institute for Medical Research in the 1950s. Cryobiologists were experimenting with surplus RAF transmitters to emit microwaves. James Lovelock, a leading scientist on this project, actually bought one for 10 shillings of his own money to try it out. They froze the hamsters in 23 degree and below ice baths, like propylene glycol, and left them in for an hour to an hour and a half until the hamsters' breathing and heart stopped completely. The idea was to then heat the hamster's heart externally without damaging the skin in the same way microwaves cook TV dinners without melting the plastic containers. They originally tried using hot spoons or spatulas and pressed them against the hamster's body and heart to warm them up, but this was not as effective and it left the animal with burns and the idea was to reanimate them humanely so that had to be fixed. Which is why James Lovelock went and got the RAF transmitter. He really wanted a magnetron to tidy it up, so he asked around his area, and it turned out that Birmingham University wanted to help. They thought it was an interesting project, so why not? James rigged up his contraption with kind of a fine-meshed chicken wire, fed the microwaves into it, and put the frozen solid hamster in. He turned it on for so many seconds, I wasn't sure how many exactly. Then the hamster got up and started walking around. There was some artificial respiration involved to get oxygen pumping around the body, but with this makeshift microwave, they were successful at reanimating almost every rodent. And then when they came back with superpowers, they finished their research for them, and that's how we have the microwaves that we know and love today. No. Are you sure? I'm positive. It was still very exciting, though. At this time, we didn't know what the possibility would be for this, for what we were doing. Would we be able to be frozen and wake up years later, unaged, or travel to distant places in the universe that we would otherwise die before reaching because they're so far away? Absolutely we could. Unfortunately, this does not scale up. A human is just too big. You can't get the antifreeze agent to diffuse into the cells. We're just too big, but a hamster happens to be the perfect size. I think the next logical step is experimenting with hamster astronauts. The superpowers will really help. We can make tiny rockets, and it would be it would cost less because all the you wouldn't need as much fuel. All of the materials would be smaller. The hamsters would have small. Everything would be more cost effective because it would take less materials. And they can explore the planets for us. Uh, set up some teleporters. Get us to those planets. It's a perfect system. Alternatively, my next idea is, do you remember the movie Downsizing? 
Of course, I remember the 2017 sci-fi comedy Downsizing starring Matt Damon. That movie was weird, and it did not go in the direction that I thought it was going to go in, in any way. But what if we invented this technology here in the real world, and we downsized to small hamster-sized bodies, and we froze ourselves, and then we got into the rocket ship and explored distant universes? The problem is we're too big if we're smaller, right? Wouldn't that work? Absolutely it would. James Lovelock died on his 103rd birthday, which is a goal of mine. I want my tombstone to say birthday, March 4th, death day, death date, died on March 4th. So that is the history of the microwave. We can thank Dr. Percy Spencer for soggy taquitos. I love my soggy taquitos and weirdly chewy, but also jelly textured chicken nuggets. You know, the glass dish that rotates in the microwave. If you take that out and you cover a plate with sliced cheese, you can put that in the microwave and turn it on and you can see the path of the waves because it'll have hot and cold spots. That's why the dish rotates so that it cooks it more evenly. You can also do the same thing with special Play-Doh that turns different colors when it heats up. Have you ever seen what happens when you microwave a CD? No. Now, for the kids out there, if you don't know what a CD is, it stands for compact disc. Compact disc. Yes, very good. It's those shiny things that are round with the holes in the middle of them, and uh, people used to no, listen... like Blu-rays. Nah, I don't know what that is. Anyway, people used to listen to music on them. So, yeah, anyway, you put one of those. It has a very, very fine metallic film on the bottom of it. And if you put that in a microwave, that film, because it's so delicate, as soon as it starts generating electricity, it kind of disintegrates. So you can watch the electricity arc through the disc and fry off the metal. It's a very interesting process. There's YouTube videos and pictures. You should look that up. And maybe even if no. with parental supervision and no. a microwave that you don't mind destroying no. and proper safety precautions, no, uh, you could try that out as a science experiment. No. We do not endorse trying it out as a scientific experiment. Here's another fun one for you. No. You can put a candle in the microwave and put a glass over it and the flame in the microwave will start to generate electricity a little bit and it will create a plasma that will start to arc around in the glass. So definitely do try that at home. I give up. With parental supervision and a microwave that you don't mind ruining and proper safety precautions. Ben and Danielle are not responsible for any problems that may arise from trying their bad advice. What if the people that are trying this are adults? Do they need to go get their parents out of the nursing home for supervision? That seems that seems right. Yeah. It's like on Disney Channel. They say, ask your parents' permission before going to clubpenguin.com. Doesn't, they don't say how old you have to be to ask your parents' permission. I guess if you're middle-aged and your parents have died, then you just can't try it. Correct. Uh, unless you have someone who is qualified to operate a seance, you are not allowed to visit clubpenguin.com. 
So I think that about wraps up everything. Do you have any uh, public service announcements? Um, if you own one of those really cool mugs, those really cool thermochromic mugs, don't put those in the microwave. It's not going to ruin it immediately, but if you continually put it in the microwave, it, it it's not going to be good. And a thermochromic mug is the kind of mug where when you put hot stuff in it, it like changes colors or shows a picture or whatever mm-hmm. for the uninitiated. They're very cool, unless they're very hot. The hotter they get, the cooler they are. Pew-pew. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Thingamajigs and another exciting history of, I guess, a mundane thing. I think they're pretty cool. Don't forget to grab a goose and excite your molecules. Thank you for listening. Now, go! Forgive me by you.